calling, love, experience, joy, joy faith, passion, experience. Oh, it's, it's time, time to, to take, take the, the jump, jump and, and go, go all in. in. It's time to go all in and discover your purpose. It's time to go all in and follow the call God has placed upon your life. It's time to go all in on the amazing things that God is doing right here and right now. It's time to go all in and invite others to join and experience God in His undying love. So, so what's, what's stopping, stopping you? you? Go, go all, all in. Today is the penultimate message. I always, I always like using that word because somebody always asks me in the foyer afterwards what it means. It's not the ultimate. It's not the final message. It's the penultimate. It's the one before the final message. And uh, we've been doing a message series called All In, which will finish next Sunday, which is the end of our... our um, summer season and summer message series because we are preparing ourselves for September 15th, which is our fall kickoff service and which is also the service that we will begin to go to two services, not just for fall kickoff, we've done that before, but from then on, we will have two Sunday morning services, 9.30 a.m. and 11.15 a.m. And so, we are pre- we've been preparing ourselves for that, prepare- encouraging us to be a people of prayer who are going to pray for this, encouraging us to be a, a people who, who volunteer so that we have enough volunteers to cover two services, and encouraging you in whatever way you've not already done so to get all in into what the Lord is doing here at Gateway. And so... Um, we are, we are doing this as part of a five-year plan that we had, which finishes at the end of next year, the end of 2020. Our five-year plan was called the 2020 Vision. And uh, because of the year 2020, it was going to take us to the end of 2020. It was also based on the verse, Acts 2020, in which Paul said that he taught God's word in a helpful way, in a way that helped people, helped them grow in their faith, grow in their relationship with God, put it into practical use in their everyday life. He taught them in a helpful way, and he did so publicly and in homes or in smaller groups. And so also by the end of 2020, our goal was to have 20 groups or communities or, or, or small groups or classes or whatever of at least 20 people each. Um, and also as part of that five-year plan, part of it was that we would need to go to two services at some point before the end of 2020. And so this is when we're going to do it. Now, um, I, originally I was the one that shared this vision, but I want to say something about when God gives somebody a vision, God doesn't give the vision to the person, he gives the vision through the person. It doesn't belong to the person. And so uh, when I felt that God had given me this vision that became this five-year plan, I presented it first to the board and that they agreed that this was the way forward. And then we presented it to the whole church four year, nearly four years ago. And, um, and everybody agreed. Now, maybe you weren't in 
the church nearly four years ago, but it's kind of like if you're born into a family, after the family have already decided to buy the pet dog, you're stuck with the pet dog, you didn't have a choice in the matter, you were born after the pet dog, and so you came into the family as it was. And so if you, were, if you came into the family in the last four years, well, you were born and we've already got the pet dog. And our little pet dog that we like is our 2020 vision. And it's a happy dog, and it's taken us to a new place as a church and to a new level. And so uh, we agreed as a church that this was the word of the Lord, and God has been faithful to us as we've been pursuing that. And over these last four years, we every single year, not only have we seen lots of people come to faith in Jesus Christ here, but every year between 30 and 50 people have been baptized in this church over the last few. Isn't that a fantastic thing, a fantastic statistic to have? An actual fact, in about a month's time, we have another baptism service. So if you've not yet been baptized, we are planning another baptism service. Let's see if we could break all records this year. Wouldn't that be good for people being baptized? Now, why? Why do we want to do all of this? Is it because um, if we had a few more members in the church, that would put a few more bucks in the offering basket, and then we'd be able... Is that why we're doing it? No, that's not why we're doing it. Why are we doing it? Because the only reason we exist is to reach others with the good news of Jesus Christ. We already know the good news of Jesus Christ. I mean, like, if it was just about you and me, then... God could open the heavens and send down some angels and pull us all up there right now because what's the point of us being down here when we already know the Savior? We are here because there is a whole world to reach with the good news of Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen to that one? So, way back almost four years ago when we started this, um, I shared a message, which I'm going to reshare, be a little bit tweaked differently, but reshare it today. It just seems so fitting. And that message is called, The Kingdom of God is Like a Party. Is that what I called it? Can you put that title up? I know it was up a minute. There it is. It's, a, it's not like a party. It is a party. The Kingdom of God is a party. Now, I remember many years ago, I liked doing these different personality profiles and strength finders and all of that. It's good to know your strengths and your weaknesses. And I remember one of them, I can't remember which one it was, but one of the, one of the results came up and it said, and I, I took this as an insult at the time when I read this. It said, you your solution to every problem is, let's throw a party. <laughs> and I, I read that and I thought, wait, is that a flaw? Maybe that's not a good idea. Is that like being in denial? You know, we've got a problem. Let's go and get drunk. You know, I mean, that's, that's what it sounded like when I read it. And I thought, but the more I thought about it, I began to see it more as a strength. Because I began to realize that when people have problems that are weighing them down, focusing on the problem and searching for a solution to the problem very often just makes you so bogged down in it that you cannot see your way out anymore. 
But sometimes when you place your problem on a shelf and you go to the karaoke club, not literally, but you go to the karaoke club and you sing, uh, you know, and then you come back, you are emotionally refreshed and you go and face the problem and all of a sudden you see it in a new way. Now that's just with human emotions. How much more is that the case when it's the kingdom of God that is like a party? When we gather together and we're not just singing I did it my way at the karaoke club, but we're singing, Lord, come and do it your way in the house of God. And we're getting filled up with the presence of God. And we are singing the promises of Scripture. And and our faith is arising. And all of a sudden, we forgot about all the problems that that are weighing us down. And we feel as light as a feather. We feel like we could conquer Goliath. We could move a mountain we could slay a dragon we could do anything because the Lord is with us and then we leave here and we go back home and we face our problem and we look at it and we say there is nothing too hard for the Lord it lifts your spirit when you begin to celebrate and get into the party atmosphere and anyway it wasn't me that said the kingdom of God is a party it was Jesus himself So I want us to go to one of Jesus' parables. We're going to go and have a look at it right now. And here's what it says. Jesus replied with this story. The kingdom of God is like a man who arranged a great funeral. Is that what it says? I've been to some church services. (laughs) And honestly, you'd have thought it was a funeral, you know? Drake just reminded me backstage after we prayed this morning before we came out that, um, because I said, I'm getting out there because this crowd are not like full of the joy of the Lord today. And he said, yeah, I remember you did that on a good Friday. Everybody was singing like it was a funeral, like Jesus is dying. And I had to go up and say, like, that was 2,000 years ago. He did rise from the dead on the third day. We don't have to, like, it's not like we all went into a time machine and went back to the first Good Friday and thought, oh, you know, he's, you know, the kingdom of God is not like a funeral. The kingdom of God is not like a man who gave a serious lecture to people. That's not what it says. It says the kingdom of God is like a man who arranged what? What kind of party? So it has to be a good one. A great party. And he sent out what? Many invitations. Today, as we leave the service at the end, and as you go through the doors, and as you put your offering in the offering buckets, what you will find is that the ushers will have invitation cards. And we are going to take one or two or 26 of them. And we are going to go out this week. And we are going to do what the word of God says. We are going to send out what? How many? Many. Many invitations. When the banquet was ready and fall kickoff finally arrived, he sent his servants to tell the guests, come, come. For the drudgy services, no, 
Come because the party is ready. But they all began to make excuses. One of them said, I've just bought a field and must go to inspect it. Another one said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. And please excuse me. Another one said, I now have a wife and she won't let me come. Do you know, <laughs> I, I actually asked the staff last week, where's such and such a person? I haven't seen them for ages. And they said, oh, I married a wife and she won't let him come. I mean, seriously, this, the word of God actually happens today. I mean, maybe five pairs of oxen, I might change it to something more modern. No, I've bought a Harley Davidson and I have to go out and inspect it, you know, and polish it whatever it may be, but they made excuses. And do you know what this tells me? Sometimes the people that we want to invite don't want to come. Sometimes we want to invite that person, but they don't want to come, but we don't really want to invite that person, but they're the ones that are hungry for change in their life. The first lot of people who got invited didn't want to come. There's a little sobering lesson for us. Not everyone that you say, hey, I go to a great church. Why don't you come with me to fall kickoff is going to say, oh, hallelujah, I've been praying for someone to invite me to church. Not everyone's going to do that. But don't give up because out there in the world, there are people with hungry hearts that need God in their life and they know it and they will come. Anyway, the servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town where the druggies are and all of that and, and sketchy deals are taking place. That's what happens in alleys. And invite the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. And after the servant had done that, he reported there is still room for more. Why are we going to two services? Because we are making room for more people. We are freeing up seats so that more people can come. Why? So that you can have a big church and then you can be on the front cover of a magazine about how your church grew. No, not so our house can be full, so God's house can be full. This isn't our house and this isn't our church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This church, like every church that names the name of Jesus, doesn't belong to us, it belongs to him. It's his church. We are, we are the house of the Lord. We're not the house of Gateway Alliance Church. That's just a name that we have. We are God's house. And the master said, go out into the country lanes and up to the acre outside the city and the farms and the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be half empty. Is that what it says? So that the house will be. God wants his house. So we, ha we are given a job. We are given a job of inviting everyone, those who will say yes and those who will say no, inviting everyone to come to the party 
because they're going to hear some good news. For none of those I first invited will even get the smallest taste of my banquet. So there is one of Jesus' most famous parables. And in it, he's very clear that the culture, the atmosphere of God's kingdom should be one of celebration. That's why we try to make our Sunday services have a celebration feel. Now, there are other things in the Christian faith as well. You know, like there's times for repenting of your sins, and there's times for doing deep Bible studies, and there's times for prayer meetings, and there's times for fellowship, and all and spiritual get all kinds of things in the body of Christ. But we want to make our main Sunday services to have this culture of celebration. Because you see, the word gospel means good news. It means good news. And so the good news, the good news is that the price has been paid, that God sent his son, that Jesus has already died for our sins and risen from the dead. And now whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but will receive everlasting life. There's good news Our message is not one of going out to scold people for all of their mistakes and misdemeanors. Our message is to tell people, we know you're guilty. We know there's a fine to be paid. But the good news is somebody paid it for you. Come to the party and we will introduce you to that person. His name is Jesus. God's kingdom is like a party. Now, what is a kingdom? Um, I, I like the way a modern translation of the Bible is called, the, or just the New Testament, it's called the good is new translation. This is how it translates God's kingdom. God's new world and his new way of living that is emerging in our midst and in our lives. You know, the kingdom of God is when God's presence is beginning to work in people's lives and change them, and as a result, their world is changing, and it's going to continue to happening because a new world is emerging. As a new people are emerging on this planet, a people who are coming into a new relationship with God. So, Jesus said that the kingdom of God is like a man who threw a party. Now, sometimes, sometimes we think, well, yeah, but, but shouldn't people be, you know, be warned of hell, fire, and brimstone, and, and shouldn't, people, shouldn't there be like a message of rebuke to those who are, are not yet living right and all that kind of thing? You know, let me say something. There is, there is something called the fear of the Lord, an awesome awareness of how holy and mighty God is. And there is a seriousness and the self-control that is, and a self-discipline that is part of the Christian life and part of the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. But all of that is our response to the good news. That's not the message. That's the response in our hearts to the good news. You see, the Bible doesn't say it's telling people how angry God is that will make them repent. This is what the Bible says in Romans. It says it is the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. 
It's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. I want to just, um, I want to illustrate this with a story, another story from the Bible. This time it's not a parable. We read a parable that Jesus told, but here is now Jesus actually living that parable in real life with a guy called Zacchaeus. It says in Luke 19, and this is just like a few chapters after he tells the parable, it says, um, Jesus looked up and saw him. Now this guy Zacchaeus was a tax, he was Jewish, but he was a tax collector. So he was working for the Romans. So the other religious Jews didn't like him. They regarded him as a traitor. They regarded him as a sinner. They posted nasty things on social media because he voted for the wrong political party. He was with the Romans. And, um, and all of the kinds of stuff that we have that make people fall out with people, all of that was going on in his life. So he was a bit of an outcast. And he heard that Jesus was coming, but there was a big crowd and he couldn't see over the people. And, you know, the people, he couldn't ask to go through because nobody liked him anyway. So he climbs up a tree to see Jesus. And it says, Jesus looked up and saw him and said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today, I must stay at your house. Jesus just invited himself to people's houses. I don't know if you ever noticed that. He actually did it quite a lot. He would just invite himself to, to your house. And... Um, so he made haste. I'm not sure what haste tastes like, but apparently you can make it really quickly. <laughs> he made haste and he came down and he was all bent over with guilt and rejection because he was a sinner. No, he had lived his life bent over with guilt and rejection. But now he met Jesus and he received him joyfully. There was a sense of celebration. There was a sense of good news. But when they saw it, that is the crowd, they all complained, saying, he's going to be the guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, ha I give half of all my goods to the poor. Jesus didn't tell him to do that. Like, he didn't hear a sermon about how you should give half of your goods to the poor. This came spontaneously out of his own heart. Somebody actually showed him love. Somebody showed him respect. Somebody showed him hospitality. Somebody showed him fellowship. Somebody, Jesus, was prepared to accept Zacchaeus just the way he was, not asking him to change first. And the act of being received just the way he was made Zacchaeus change. That's how the message works. You see, we could preach here, you know, you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that and you shouldn't watch Game of Thrones, and you shouldn't, whatever, you know, all these are all the things you shouldn't do. But I don't know what you should do and what you shouldn't, like, I've never even seen Game of Thrones, but I've, I just read online that Christians shouldn't watch it, but I don't know, I've never seen it. Um, so uh, I don't know what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing. I don't know what you are doing and what you're not doing. <laughs> but God knows, and here's the thing, when we realize that God does not condemn, 
but he forgives. And when we realize that God accepts us just the way we are with all of our flaws and sins and mistakes, that makes us want to change. It is the kindness of God towards us, even when we don't deserve it, that leads us to repentance. Look, I'm going to do all that. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save that which was lost. I know it is wonderful that the Lord is our shepherd and that we are his sheep, and that he leads us to green pastures and by still waters, and he provides for us and all of that. All of that is great. But church, all of that is just the benefits of salvation. It's not the purpose of it. It's the benefits. The Bible says, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems my life from the pit. He crowns me with loving kindness. Those are all benefits, but those are not the main reason Jesus came. The Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Every single one of us were once lost until we heard the good news amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. We've been brought into the kingdom of God, but there are still thousands and thousands of people in this city and beyond who are lost. They don't know God. They don't know that what God plans for them. They don't know what Christ has already done for them. If they've come into contact with religion, then it has put them off God. They don't know the good news that God loves them just the way they are, and he doesn't ask them to clean themselves up. He says, come and join the party, and I will clean you up. I will change you. There are people who are lost, and the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And how did Jesus find lost Zacchaeus? By having up inviting himself to a party at Zacchaeus. Well, Zacchaeus, do you want to be part of a party? Yeah, it's at your house. We're coming to your house right now. And because he felt included and because there was great joy, it told us, and an atmosphere of celebration, it, it broke down his barriers and changed his life. Let's just conclude with this one more story, one that you know well. It is the parable of the prodigal son. And that we're, going to, we're not going to read the whole thing. We're just going to start halfway through. You know the story. There was a father who represents God the Father who had two sons who represents us. And the younger son said, didn't want to wait till the father had died to get his inheritance. He said, give me my inheritance now. So the father was a bit brokenhearted about this, but gave him his inheritance. And he goes off to a, a foreign country and he, he's a party animal but like in the bad sense. 
He blows all his money in parties and alcohol and prostitutes until he has no money left. And then the only thing he can do is take on a job as a pig farmer. And this guy's Jewish, and so this is the worst job he could possibly do. And one day it says, one day he came to his senses. And he said, what am I doing sitting in a pigsty? My father has a whole house and many servants. I'm not worthy. People know they're not worthy, church. People know they're not worthy. I don't know about you, but I don't feel worthy. I don't feel worthy to be a pastor. I, I, I don't know why the Lord, like, I don't feel spiritual enough. But it's all by God's grace. He says none of, none of us are worthy, but he makes us worthy. And so the prodigal son saying, I'm not worthy to be his son any longer, but maybe he will take me back as one of his servants. And a lot of people have that mindset. Oh, maybe if God would just take me as a slave or something like that, at least that would be a step forward. And so he rehearses this prayer, this speech that he's going to say to the father, I am not worthy to be your son. Uh, Just let me be a servant. And he's getting there. But when the father sees him, the father runs towards him with open arms. and I mean, the son is filthy and he's stinking of pig manure, Okay. The father runs and throws his arms around him and welcomes him, takes off his dirty clothes, cleans him up, puts new clothes on him, and says, let's throw a party. Now, his brother was like some religious people. He didn't like the party. There's too much frivolity and happiness in God's house. And the place is full of people with piercings and tattoos. And they're all on the platform. I mean, it's bad enough, you know. <laughs> the older brother was angry and wouldn't go into the party. And his father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you. Religious people have the wrong view of God. They think God wants them to slave for him, but God is looking for children, for sons and daughters to have a party with. And he says, all these years I've slaved for you, never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. His father said, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. Church, don't have a religious attitude about God. He's not withholding from you. Everything he has is yours. You are a child of God. Everything I have is yours. I've lost my place. No, but, but we had to hold a drudgy, boring service to make sure your, son, your brother felt bad enough That wasn't what the father did. We had to do what? We had to? Can you say it like you're celebrating? We had to? We had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead and come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. In a couple of weeks, 
we're going to do fall kickoff. Is, is it in a couple of weeks? Two weeks. In a couple of weeks, we're going to do fall kickoff. And it's going to be a happy day. And we're going to celebrate. And I believe that many people who were once lost are going to be found. And those who had strayed away and prodigals will come back. And people who have never opened up their life to Jesus Christ will discover the good news that God loves them, forgives them, and brings them into his family. And the angels of heaven are going to be doing an Irish river dance up there, so we may as well do one down here as well and celebrate with them. Can you say amen, church? Right, I want us all to stand. We're all going to stand. And I want us to do something. I want us to pray. The worship team are going to come up. I have already mentioned um, the the celebrations. Sorry, the invitations. Invitations to celebrations. Okay? So, I've already mentioned those invitations. I want us to pray for them. And I want you to think about, you know there's a place in the Bible where it says that God was doing extraordinary miracles. I find that an interesting phrase. Extraordinary, extraordinary miracles. It specifically mentions that. That means there must be ordinary miracles. There's ordinary miracles and there's extraordinary miracles. It said God did extraordinary miracles through Paul he wasn't just laying hands on sick people and they were being healed but it says even old handkerchiefs that he had blown his nose on or whatever that he had touched were taken to sick people and when the handkerchiefs were laid upon them they were healed an ordinary miracle would be Paul going to the house and praying for the person and them being healed But the extraordinary miracle is, yeah, I I can't make it, but here, take that little bit of cloth, that'll heal them. Now, that tells me that God can do unusual things. The power and anointing of the Holy Spirit not only flows through human touch, but it's almost like it it can get stored up in things like a battery. And when it's... Inanimate objects can be blessed. And when they're taken to people, extraordinary miracles can happen. I didn't plan this, but could could maybe a couple of the ushers bring a couple of the piles of invitations down the front to the platform here? Can you do that just now? I mean, like, we're going to pray for the invitations. We're going to pray that they become that those inanimate objects become so blessed thanks I'm just going to hold them in my hands here Um, and so I'm just doing this as a symbol wherever in the room the invitations are including the ones that you're holding and everybody else is holding we are going to pray that these invitations throughout the entire building get blessed the way God blessed Paul's handkerchiefs some, you're going to hand this to somebody and they're going to take it and start reading it. There was something funny happening to me right now. I'm not quite sure what it, what it is. 
but I need to get to Gateway Alliance Church. <laughs> and they're going to hear the good news. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something else. Again, this came to me on Friday when I was praying for the service. And when it came to me, I said, oh, no, Lord, people don't like that. And then I felt the Lord saying, I like it. I want you all to join hands with the person on either side of you and lift your hands up high. Can I? I can't ask people to do something I'm not doing. Right? And, hold on a second, and any ushers anywhere that are holding these, hold them up, and I'll hold them up too. And we're going to pray that God anoints us to be his inviters and that God anoints the invitations with extraordinary miraculous power okay church are we ready I'm going to pray first and then I'm going to lead us in a prayer so Father God I pray for all of us gathered here today we are your children and we are also your servants and you said in those scriptures send my servants out to to invite the guests to come into the highways and byways the hedges and the back rows everywhere throughout this city and beyond I pray Father that you would fill every one of us afresh with the Holy Spirit and I pray with a boldness and a faith in our hearts to be God's inviters to invite people to the party which is the kingdom of God. I pray that in the coming two weeks you would open our minds, our hearts and our eyes to see God-given opportunities to invite people to come and you would open our mouths and fill them with your words to speak to the people. Let your spirit fall upon us in a fresh way. And I pray for all of the invitations all over this building. Anoint them with your extraordinary miracle working power. Use these invitations as tools in your hand so that your house will be full. So that many people who are lost shall be found so that heaven will rejoice and on earth we will celebrate with a great party for you are worthy and your joy and salvation is going to be poured out bountifully and in abundance on this church in the mighty name of Jesus and everyone shouted Amen let's give God a shout come on